Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. Today, we're going to talk about doing repairs on jobs. Um, matching uh, matching uh, new wood, to old wood, and those type of things. And um, before we get started, however, I'd like to say congratulations to the, to the 40 under 40 winners. Um, I happen to know several of these, and that's a big uh, that's a big honor to, to be uh, mentioned in this industry as uh, 40 under 40. Some of the accomplishments. Uh, it's nice to see guys getting recognized, guys and gals. And um, I know a few of these, and I'm going to give a shout out to them. Jason Carter with Carter Quality Hardwood Flooring up in Michigan. Uh, do you know uh, Jason? Yeah, Jason recently uh, joined the BCC program. I taught him and his guys uh, about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. In the, in a word, stud. Good floor guy, man, up there in Michigan. Uh, one thing I do know about uh, Jason is uh, this guy gives a, gives a lot back. Uh, he does a lot with charities, and uh, you know if if every mother dreams their their daughter marries a guy like Jason. Super good guy, man, up there in Michigan. Uh, Mark Opperman with Pro Finish Custom Wood, another damn good floor guy up there in uh, up there in Michigan. Um, I know, and 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 also Jessica Peterson. Michigan's representing the this year. And I don't know, it must be the weather. You ever been to Michigan, uh, Rob? Yeah, many times. Done a bunch of schools up there. It was part of my territory for a long time. Uh, I don't know if people that have never been to Michigan realize what how beautiful that state is. Man, I mean, the coastline in Michigan is just spectacular. Really cool. Uh, Jessica Peterson uh, with Custom Hardwood Floors by Jeffries. Um, you know, uh, a really good mechanic and, uh, I mean, really invested in this industry. I mean, she's a junkie just like the, the rest of the floor guys out there. I know she goes to every uh, – Every convention that she can, a lot of the NWFA things, and that's a lot of that is because uh, uh, David Jeffries is, uh, puts that kind of commitment into his business. But I know she's raising uh, two kids. She's got one in college, one in high school, and still does floors. Um, Aaron Sheaves, uh, one of our uh, Bona Rep's uh, sons, Jeff Sheaves' son down there. In, uh, yeah, I was going to mention uh Mm-hmm. Aaron's been to a bunch of our schools in North Carolina, and yep, definitely son of Jeff Sheaves. Yep, really great kid, uh, very funny. Had a lot of fun with him doing the schools, but uh, he's serious about the business, as lighthearted as he can get, and messing around. Uh, he's definitely taking the reins on that business. Nice. And I know Jeff's very proud of him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I know uh, Jorge uh, Perez, uh, Epic Hardwood Floors. He happens to be a military veteran, so thank you for your service. Pretty cool. Nice recognition. I know he does a – I mean, he's that's a super talented floor guy too, man. So congrats. I know Mike's – I hope I'm pronouncing this right because I don't know Mike. I know he's down there in Roswell, Georgia. Mike's Samodian, S-O-M-O-D-E-A-N, but he's with M-S-C-S, Inc. A lot of these 40 under 40 recipients – are some of our customers and some of our bonus certified craftsman customers. And, uh, you know, there's some manufacturers that not, don't necessarily want everybody to know who's using their products and what have you. And, um, we want to shout it from the rooftops though. 
I mean, these are our customers. We want to highlight them. We want to, you know, we'll, we put them on social media and, and, and our podcast and Facebook and any avenue we can, uh, to, to, uh, to share and share and shout out for their successes. And, um, um, it'd be selfish not to. So congratulations to all our customers and, and that have a part of this. So Rob doing repairs on jobs. So what do you, what, you go into a floor, let's say, uh, you know, it's, you know, 800 square foot job and, and you're adding new wood to the, to the existing wood. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, wood oxidizes, wood changes over time and who knows where the wood came from. And, and you have, uh, you got to match these up. Uh, I think this would be a good topic to talk about. Let's go. All right. Uh, first of all, we have to, to me, it all starts with expectations. I think, you know, when you come into a job and, and you're matching, say, old white oak to new white oak, you know, we know that, you know, the, the color variation that can be there. So I, I think first you have to set the expectations. You know, if you tell the homeowner you're going to be, you're going to match this dead on and uh, you can't live up to that, then that might be, you know, uh, that might be a tough conversation down the road. So I think that's the first thing is explain to the homeowner, you know, you know, also when you're dealing with wood, is it, is it Southern? Is it, is it from, from up North? You know, even that makes a difference in, and, and also matching the grade, make sure you, you, if it's a number two common versus a select or a quarter son, uh, and try to match all those different things. Uh, it, I think that's where it starts. It starts with the expectations with the homeowners. You do a lot of repairs. Yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, we got caught on a job that something we didn't know about some pre-finished companies. We had toothed in a floor on a, um, you know, big addition and the existing floor was a Bruce hardwood floor. I don't know if I can mention names or whatever, but anyways, it was a Bruce hardwood floor. We did a great job matching everything up, came out perfect, sanded the whole thing, coated it. And that's when I found out that Bruce mixes the species. So when the pre-finished flooring company is making their stuff, you know, they don't really use a stain. They use more like a glaze to get their colors. And that's when we found out that they mix red and white. And we had installed all red. Huge, huge issue problem that we ended up on that job. So that's something you really have to watch when you're looking, especially some of the floor, you know, the older pre-finished floors stuff from the 80s and 90s i can't believe you said that because um i was actually going to say that that that's high on my list too but not for the same reason you said um you know that that glaze can hide a lot you're right so i have seen before where guys will uh you know take one of those uh, pre-finished floors and they got a toothpick in you know to add on to them and you know it looks they look at the floor it looks like a select floor and then they put the sander to that pre-finished floor and then all the mineral streaks come come out and now you've got a nice select grade wood that's toothed into uh that floor that's got mineral streaks all over it now there's a problem and you wouldn't know that unless you put a sander to it so again expectations uh, with the homeowners i you know I, I think to get the even though it's may not be in the sequence because you maybe have to drop off the wood to acclimate it and but i think it's important to know what you're going into so put the sander on it, even if it's just a couple passes uh to rough it off and see what that floor looks like so you can get the grading right absolutely that is uh that's exactly what i wanted to say is definitely 
before you even purchase the wood. You have to know what you're going. You have to sand a little of it, throw some finish on it, and really see what you're up against. You know, and also, let's say if you match everything dead on the money, even if you know what the mill was, you know, it's been 15 years, but yeah, it was whatever mill it was, ABC mill, and we've got the same mill, and we put the same wood in, it's even done by the same guys. You know, if a floor has gapped over the years, and you've got little hairline cracks, maybe the cracks have gotten dark, you put a brand new floor up against that, I mean, it's going to show. So even that is a conversation. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it might be also, um, how do we get it? How do we get around that? Maybe it's, uh, maybe we go with a darker stain that will kind of blend some of those things in, you know, but uh, again, these things, uh, all need to happen up front. These conversations. What about for spots? You ever have to do any damage repair like that? Yeah. We had this, we had this one job. It was, uh, it was like a half a million dollar log cabin. It was just beautiful. And it was um, poplar. We had done poplar there, so it was kind of soft. And um, we were done. I mean, this thing was done. We were completely coated. We were out of there, matter of fact. And they had a guy coming in that was doing a brick oven so they could do fresh baked bread and all that crap. And uh, he had dropped a cinder block on the floor. And, of course, it landed point down. So there was a, a dent in that floor about the size of a half a shot glass it was huge and everything that job was eight inches eight inch wide everything was six ten and twelve lengths so there was no i had no idea what i was going to do the last thing i wanted to do was rip out an entire board replace it sand it stain it the whole deal and um somebody had mentioned to me about a mohawk repair kit have you ever seen these kits yes Yep, yep. Uh, Every floor guy should get one for Christmas. Yeah, they're uh, they can uh, definitely get you out of a jam. I I actually went to the Mohawk Repair class up in Sacramento. I think it was a two day class, and uh, it, was, it was actually a bonding experience for me and my my mother in law because uh, she was uh, you know she did antique furniture, and uh, I wanted to do it for hardwood floors, so I, I went up with her and uh spent a couple of days there and uh two days with my mother-in-law and you know i was just gonna... <laughs> that's really wanting to know how to do repairs if you knew my mother-in-law god bless her <laughs> yeah so but yeah the techniques there and some of the some of the products and markers and sprays and tints man lifesavers you know, we talk about white oak. I mean, new white oak has like an olive hue to it. So putting that up against an old white oak floor that looks snow white when it's sanded off, it's two different looks altogether. Um, you can use tints. I talk about trans tint a lot because um, I, I've, I've had a lot of experience with it. We know also, talking about expectations, if it's a room with a lot of sunlight, uh, they can they can fade fast. Well, they might look great for a while, and then uh, they're color fast, and they might fade out on you. Uh, I will say as a sidebar, for guys that know how to use aniline dye, you put yourself in a whole other world of staining. Aniline dye is very tricky to use, and there's not – even in – there's some markets that nobody is on it. Many markets, in fact. I mean that there's nobody that really knows how to use aniline dye very well. But guys that can use aniline dye under their stains, 
man, the colors are spectacular. So not a bad idea. Um, you know, that's one of those things. It's a big learning curve to it. But if you can, if you can master that, you put yourself with designers and architects and just, just with your homeowners and referrals and stuff, you put yourself in a whole nother league. Well, that's one of the things we've been doing at the school is not the dyes, but the tints. And it's amazing what we can accomplish with uh, trans tint and intense seal. It's incredible. And, you know, actually, I'm going to have to give a shout out to you where you told the story of contractor that uh, you knew he had stained the floor and the lady just wanted it, a, you know, a little bit darker. And so rather than going back, you said, hey, rather than go back and sand the whole thing, let's take a shot at a repair using the trans tint. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was a that I heard that story and I've been using it in all the classes. now. There's some tools you don't leave home without. Uh, we talk about this. I mean, I, I'm a Festool guy. If, uh, if I'm doing installs, I want I, I'll bring Festool tracks with me and saws and I, I don't leave home without my fine saw. And. For the for the coating van or when I'm in, in doing coats, I don't never leave home. I never leave home without trans tint. It can be a lifesaver. But be aware, it comes in a two ounce container, and that two ounces can screw up Lake Erie. That is some powerful stuff. The most I ever add to a gallon of finish is about an ounce, maybe even not that much, maybe a half an ounce. And I'd rather put two coats, put it in two coats, and try to do it all in one. And now your feathering techniques have to be be money. I mean, when you're lifting the T-bar up and setting it down, it's got to be yes, it has to be your your best A game you got. But and also blue tape. You know what we found but, works really well huh. when you're doing that is almost. Uh, I mean, if you have the manpower, doing a a two man pull where one guy is applying it. And the other guy is coming back behind that guy with a semi-dry T-bar, you know, just moist enough to smooth everything out and him taking care of the feathering and everything. And uh, we did that a lot with sport, too, where we had a two-man pull, one guy applying, one guy smoothing and taking turn marks and stuff like that out. And it really worked good. Mm-hmm. You know who brought that to the sports world? I'm dying to hear. Who? Me. <laughs> Right, right now, there's a bunch of sport guys that just spit. Their- I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'll be right back. I, I, go ahead, I, Wayne. I, you, you go on with this one. I, I can hear the guys now in the sports. Every one of them discussing right now. I told okay. this to a rep like 12 years ago who told it to another big company and brought it to them like it was his deal, and uh, and they blew it up. But I'm just saying, uh, you're just not, saying not that- a big deal. There's a reason that we call that the <laughs> Highlander technique. Is that what you're saying? Oh, uh, shoot. But no. You it, brought that. It, what else have you brought to the industry? Uh, so I we, mean, look, we don't have enough time. Or should we do a whole podcast just on <laughs> what Wayne Highlander has done for the wood floor industry? I'll yeah, ne- I'll never, that might be two podcasts. That could be two. I'll never get some listeners back now. But uh, I, I, I'll, I'll seriousness, that it is a great technique. Uh, it, it's one that I don't. I'm not cavalier about it. It it takes a very good finisher to do it, but I I'm telling you, it has absolutely saved my life on some jobs, and uh, made all the difference in the world. And here's the thing, Rob, when you're trying to match an old floor, and this is it took me a long time to realize this. 
when you're trying to match an old floor, you might be able to match the stain color. Okay, uh, if you you know on a let's say you you really do a nice job and for you you nail the stain color. Okay, which in itself is a massive challenge. But let's say you nail the stain color. What it took me a long time to realize is that you still have to match the amberness of the finish. You know, because finish changes over time, the, the, right? I mean, the, the light affects the finish, and, and it, it, it also brings a color to the floor. So there are times when I know I nailed the color, but when you put the clear finish on it, you lose it. It's not the same. So I realized it had to be, it had to come from color in the finish. And, um, and that's when you thought of the, the two T bar technique. No, the Highlander. Nobody needs the two T bar technique if they're, you know, you know, you know, I was number three in the world. You invented that for the less, us less fortunate. Yes. Yes. Just a, just a real quick tip before I forget it. Uh, let's say oh. you're 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 tinting a floor, and now you have to work your way out the hallway. Let's say the hallway is eight feet wide by sixty feet long. Okay, the challenge in tinting finish is when you lift off and you set the T-bar down. So you, as you're backing out a hallway, that becomes you know very critical. Every single one of those that you lift up, every single one that you set down. Um, so what I would do sometimes is tape the floor off. You know, if the, if it's 60 feet long or 40 feet long, I put blue tape down half the, the hallway, down the length of it. Do half of the hallway so I can walk alongside it without having to uh, back my way out. And it dries, you know, in an hour or so. It's pretty much dry to walk on. Um, pull the tape and then do the other side. So, again, I don't have to I don't have to uh, back my way out. Does that make sense? Did you, did you invent that too? That is the Highlander. Yes, That's the yes, Highlander. Yes. Oh, okay. It's in my book oh, out on Double Day. In our world, we call it just building yourself an escape route. Yeah. We yeah. did a lot of that in sport floors, did a lot of that on, you know, some real tough. When you have multiple rooms and everything, lay down a little bit, lay down that nice escape route for you, work off of the dry line. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It works every time. Yeah, Nice. So you coming from you the, invented that you invented that too. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make this all about me. I'm pretty sure I Are did, sure? but I, I, I. I'm I'm pretty sure each one of these podcasts is about you. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> so Rob, coming from the sports world, you probably uh, probably know this as well as anybody. Um, Maple is hard to match. Even maple that's been down just, you know, not that very many years, you know, five or ten years sometimes, you go back and try to match it. It can be very difficult to match. Um, You wouldn't think so, but I did have a lot of insurance work with maple floors. And um, a lot of times, you you know, guys will tear out the whole floor because they know that it's really – it's very subtle, but it it can be very hard to match it sometimes. And, of course – You know, we had a job – I'm going to interrupt you here because you've you've been talking way too much. Tough jobs, like you're saying, for patching. Okay. Tough things that we did a job. It was eight inch fur, and it, the floor was 120 years old. We had to do random patching throughout the whole place, and it was severe wood damage, so it you know had to be patched. Well, where, where am I going to find eight inch fur in those kind of lengths? 
you know, with that kind of patina to it, with that age, it's going to be impossible to find. So what I did was we cannibalized an entire bedroom. I put all the new fur in the bedroom, you know, bedroom that was upstairs, like a guest type room or something. We'd match the color up there to the rest of the floor, but then when I was using my patching stock and everything I had to patch, everything looked perfect. You couldn't tell where the new patches were compared to the old floor. Because we, like I said, we had cannibalized and I used the exact same wood that was used the day that they installed it. So that's another way that you can, like when you're trying to match up 80-year-old maple or 120-year-old floor or whatever, um, don't be afraid to, you know, sometimes I, if we're doing minor repairs, I'll just cannibalize a closet and then put the new flooring in a closet and then I've got really perfect patching stock to work with. Boy, such a such a good point, Rob. I'm surprised it came from you. Um, in California, in 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 California, um, you know, when the, especially in the housing boom really started, and, and guys were buying these you know million dollar homes or these really nice old cottage homes, and they were sometimes even just demolishing them, building up these monster homes on top of them. But we would tear out a lot of toothpick floors, like you know what they call toothpick floors, that, or inch and a third floors. Or unique floors that that you know that yeah you know they're great for patching material, and store them and it's a gold mine uh, for that very reason. You're right, Cause especially Douglas fir. Matching new Douglas fir to the old Douglas fir, man, that is that's as tough as it gets for. I don't imagine for you. Um, <laughs> so all that that's a great point, Rob. Uh, hanging wow. on hanging on that, that wood. That's- that's the second time he said I made a great point today. Well, it was, yeah. I'm feeling good now. It's so, going to be a good holiday. So you you mentioned something else about doing repairs then. Um, so also, um, if you're lacing in and doing just on a repair and a few boards, you know, we always talk about chasing the grain. Uh, as I know you teach that in the schools uh, where you can use the grain to disguise the the the, the, the patch. Um and that's a nice technique, and that is, you know, knowing how to use your scraper. That is an amazing technique. I, I've been doing this a long time, and I remember I saw this. Uh, you, we all know Steve Seabaugh, and I think one of the best instructors ever. And I, the first time I saw chasing the grain, he chopped out a board. The floor was done. He chopped out a board and replaced the entire floor. You know, stain seal top coat the whole deal and you could not tell where he didn't he edged that you know he edged that floor down to get the right height edger marks on all sides of the boards showed us how to do that chasing the grain i was amazed yeah uh, how good that looked so he's telling a story during that school it's one of my favorite stories ever he um there was a job kind of like i had where somebody had dropped some stuff on a floor and it was a million dollar home and rather than replace the whole floor, Steve said, you know, I can patch out. And the lady said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to see where these patches are, you know. And he goes, you won't. And he said for like five patches, he charged her $4,000. And she said, that's insane. He goes, well, you know, the other side of this coin is you can move everything out, get out of your house for God knows how long, the whole deal. He says, but you will not be able to tell where the patches are. He said it took him a few days to do those patches, but it was all worth, you know, the four grand. 
So I'm loving this story, and some guy in the class, as he's telling the story, says, hey, uh, how do you sleep at night charging 4000 bucks for five patches? And Steve looks him dead in the eye and says, I sleep very well because I make good money. And I thought that was the best answer I ever heard. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, Steve's, uh, Steve's to this day remains uh, a super, super talent in this industry. Um, he is a stud. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah, 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 no question. Uh, actually, and what did, you must have taught him a lot of things, huh? No, you know the funny. The first time I I met Steve, he won't remember this probably. Uh, was in the Reno, Nevada, and he was doing a seminar, and he was he was doing a Greek keyboarder, and putting a medallion, and uh, he looked like a twelve year old kid. I mean, I, I mean, you know, he was young looking <laughs> to begin with, and he had a you know probably eighty people watching him, and he was as cool and calm as you could get, and uh, you know and. It was kind of everything you're not when you're presenting, huh? Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, he was—he did a fabulous job. And as as I got to know uh, Steve and go to a lot of his classes, yeah, Steve remains to this day. And he actually has a brother, Stan, is also a very talented floor guy, has a great, great business. So yeah, it's, and it must be in the genes. Wayne, tell me what. Well, tell the listeners what chasing the grain is. Why don't you explain it to us? So, chasing the grain is is uh. You notice how I threw that one at you? Yeah, it was a yeah yeah yeah, yeah baby. Well, I figured you would. Um, so uh, it involves a scraper, and uh, and not you know everybody usually uses an inch and a half scraper, an inch scraper, what have you. I, I like to have if I'm chasing the grain, I like to have all different size scrapers. And a, a really good file, and and really do a nice job of sharpening these scrapers and having them ready. And then, you know what else I found? I mean, not to interrupt you and but you did. throw you off track. I know how easy that is. Um, a couple of scrapers I like to have too, or kind of round it off, round those edges off a little bit. Yeah, um, I can see uh, some people need, I can, needing to do that. I, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to develop a touch, Rob, that you don't need that. But but you know if oh, if I it just helps you. I walked right into that one, didn't mm-hmm. I? Yeah. Yeah, but a couple of different sizes on the scrapers, and and on the repair, you're you're instead of like like taking an edger and then you have a d- distinct start and stop area, or even hand sanding where you're having you know all the boards are sanded to a to a how do I describe this to a certain point where the stop and start is like three or four boards wide because that's the footprint of an edger. Or that's a foot for the size of your hand. Um, but if you're chasing the grain, if you, if you can imagine red oak grain, and you run that scraper, all the hard grain you're you're scraping to, uh, to take the stain off. But you're leaving the you're leaving the soft grain. You're not you're intentionally not sanding the soft grain with the scraper, and you're and you're, you're going along the lines of the uh, soft grain because because let's say you miss the color. You don't get the color exact on the hard grain. Well, you have not affected the soft grain. So your eyes were – it kind of fools your eye because you can't be wrong on the soft grain because you haven't touched it. And so you use the soft grain to disguise where your, where your, where your, um, where your uh, repair is. And then you know there's a lot of techniques to it. Then after you do the, the – if you take a scraper to it, uh, some guys will go back with like 320-grit sandpaper using the palm of your hand. Um, and then if it's just going to be, if you're going to, um, you know, if you're going to um, recoat the floor, you're not sanding the entire floor, then uh, I would take really fine sandpaper 
and everywhere you're sanding stopped, I would use very fine sandpaper to, to sand that area. So it, because even the finish that's left on the floor can take a stain. You know what I mean? So if you got, you need to close that back down because you've opened up even the even the 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 finish you've opened that up so it can accept some stain. So if you take like a 320 grit or finer and close that that finish down, then when you do when you apply the stain, um, you know that you don't have to worry about that taking the stain also and catching the eye. So you mean almost like doing a wet sand? It's it's stain. it's it's kind of close to doing a wet sand, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I stained in the middle. It's you know what? It's a it's a fun thing for guys to to look at, see it done, and then it and then go and just practice it a little bit. You know, the more you practice that, the more you'll really start to fine tune how you're going to do it. You know, I'll tell you, Rob, and that can really save your. No. Did question. you invent that too? No, 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 no. Okay. Um. The other thing about I've always, uh, you know, for guys that are getting out, you know, getting up in the age in the trade. I mean, I always thought this in 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 every industry. When someone leaves the industry, whether they're a master carpenter or electrician or a school teacher or whatever, look at the the vacuum of knowledge. The, the amount of knowledge that they're taking with them is a shame that you know it's not passed on to somebody sometimes. But for an older guy or a gal that's doing floors and and now you know maybe you don't want to sand and finish floors all the time, but Great side business doing repairs. There's really good money in repairs. And I would bet every distributor out there, every outside sales rep at a distributor would love to know one guy that can go out and do a, a two-board board replacement. You know, maybe it's a $300 day for someone that's semi-retired or whatever that has all them skills that they've learned all over the years. Go to a Mohawk class, learn how to use the sprays and the toners, and, uh, and then you can be somebody's best friend. And you just be you and just to be known as the guy that that does these repairs, uh, man, it's, it's not a bad gig. If you Look only did repair if, guy. If, if you only did repairs and recoats and cleaning floors, nice way to kind of transition your way out of the out of the industry where you're you know kind of slow it down a little bit, but you still have your hands in it. You know, it feels like you're talking to me. Well, I, I saw the. Uh, agenda for next year on our who we're hiring and letting go yeah uh, that's right you were just at that manager's meeting huh yeah yeah you're being pretty subtle there with yeah people in the twilight of their career maybe yeah. it's time to move on i'm gonna tear up now so i don't want to talk about it you'll find out later stay um, a little closer to home yeah we wish rob johnson much luck on his future endeavors <laughs> um I started to say before, do you want me to match the floor now or do you want me to match the floor later? You know, if you're doing an American cherry floor, for instance, that's very color fast and that, you know, it's going to change over time. That's another conversation for the homeowner. You know, it's going to get darker in time there. You couldn't stop it if you wanted to, you know, so um, that's also a conversation. Do you really want me to, to stain it now or, or try to make it darker or tint it or do you want to just let this happen naturally as it will? Uh, and maybe save a lot of uh, heartache and headache in the in the process. So that's another conversation that uh, you could have. Um, and the other thing, Rob, you know, how about not try to match it at all? Go a completely different direction. Don't even fight it. I, I have definitely been in those scenarios where it's really, really old white oak floor, and the new is so much different. And, and so why not even why not maybe change the pattern? 
You know what I mean? That's exactly, yeah, we did that one time. Yeah. That's exactly what we did. We did a border instead. So we bordered up to the old floor, did a border with the new floor, and everything looked fantastic. It looked like it was made that way. So that's a great idea, Wayne. Well, you know, you you probably invented that one too. They call that the Highlander 2. No, no, that's not me. Um, So also, um, I was, I talked to a colorist one time and uh, which is actually, they're pretty talented folks that really. A hair colorist? No, no, a floor colorist. I didn't think that was your natural colored hair. I knew you (laughs) messed around. I knew it. No, why would I, if I were, if I were going to do something with my hair, why would I make my hair red? I have, I, do you know, I, believe me, I've always been very curious about that. I tell you about the time I was out of all the colors you could choose for your hair. Yeah. That was the one you went with. When you got red hair and you see another dude dye their head rare, their, 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 uh, their, uh, hair red, hair red, hair red. Do you know how infuriating that is? <laughs> You can't just dye your hair. I always wonder when I see a dude that dyes his hair red. I go, "What are you thinking, man? Are this, you mocking me? Is this this is a way of life, dude? You just can't just put this on your hair and like you you know that don't work like that. You don't have the <laughs> the pain that a redheaded dude has. You look, you can't be walking around like that. Is your hair always going to be red? I mean, isn't it ever going to? You're probably dying for gray or white or something, right? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I can't wait till my hair goes gray. I'm over it now, though. I'm cool about it now. But I will tell you. I was reading the paper one day. My wife was on the couch. I was in a chair. It was a Sunday. And we're reading the Sunday paper. You know, it comes out like a book, right? We're, re- yeah. we're reading the paper. And I I got this article. It said, redheaded people are going extinct. <laughs> so I said, huh. So I started reading the article. It went on to say that redheaded men are not desirable at all. But redheaded women are highly desirable. You know, so I get finished reading the reading the article, and I you know, threw that. I bet you threw that paper away I, pretty quick. I didn't let my wife read it. I why put her through that? Why exactly? So exactly, you know, she's questioning that choice all the time. Listen, let me tell you about having red hair. Why does she need to see it in print? <laughs> there, there's advantages, though, to having red hair. You get. Well, I gotta hear this. You get on. You get on an airplane like Southwest, and you know, a plane starts to fill up. People would sit on each other's laps before they sit next to a redheaded dude. Really? Yeah. I always have an empty seat next to me. Because of the red hair. I think that's got to be what it is. Um. Although, 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 and I know you've talked about this. When you get on a plane, and like Southwest, and 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 it's you know it's starting to fill up and everything. There's an art to 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 finding your seat, isn't there? Oh yeah. A real art. And it makes yeah. me mad when I when I see people that haven't figured it out. Exactly. I had yeah. a. You wonder why people make the choices they choose. Yeah. I had a huge guy sit next to me one time. I had the aisle seat, and, and he sat next to me in the middle, and there was still a bunch of empty seats around. And I had to ask him. I I, I said, uh, dude. I mean, like we're both pretty big guys, man. And there's like you know, there was other options here. And uh, he looked at me and he said, dead, dead, deadpan face looked at me and goes, yeah, you're not what I was hoping for either. <laughs> yeah, but he chose the seat, man. Well, that's the problem. Exactly. He he chose the seat. When Look, I, when- here's the guarantee. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you, 
If there's an open seat, if there's going to be an open seat on the plane, you want me to tell you how to get it? Go ahead. Every time on Southwest. Bring a dust mask. Yeah, that's good. Put on a small dust mask. That's great. In fact. You sit down, you slip that dust mask on before anybody. Who is going to sit next to a guy who's got one of those on? What is this guy got that he's trying to protect everybody from? You know what, Rob? There's one thing you could add to that. The piece of the resistance. Visine in the eyes. I tried an eye patch. Did I you? swear you can no, ask Pauline. No, you got the eyes watering. Try the eye patch. You know what the eye patch did? What? Scared away all the women and dudes would sit next to me. Woman, never going to sit next to a guy with an eye patch. No. But, yeah. But the dust mask thing, that's money. That's 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 actually gold. That is a good one. I look for the... Now, here's another thing. When you get to choose that seat on Southwest, always look where you can tuck your shoulder into the window. You get another two inches. That's if you sit on the Especially window. Especially a massive guy like you looking for extra room. That's my, what you do. It's my shoulders. I'm really that massive. You sit right in front. Exactly. You sit right in front of the stanchion so your elbow your elbow and shoulder are in that window. Extra seat room right there. No, I'm giving you these. This is a Christmas present no, for me. I'll, I'll give you one better than that. You get on a plane and you know that you're, you you got a C number. So you're got you know, you're going to be a loser. You know, it's a, it, you got a, a middle seat coming, right? What I do yeah. is two things. One, I look for kids because if you sit next to a 12-year-old kid, I mean, you can you can take up both armrests. What are they going to do? Your 8-year-old kid exactly. or 7-year-old kid? I call that the skies and sea. You got to pick your prey. You got to really look down, you know. Yeah. My God, I, it's ama- I'm amazed when people look at me and go, yeah, I'm going to sit next to this guy. The oh, next- that's going to be a joy. Yeah. yeah. The next move is you look for a couple that are talking together, like a man and woman. They're talking together, but there's a middle seat because you know they're really together. But they both yes. they want the you know the aisle or the window. So when you I, you look for that, you know that one of them's going to move. Okay, Rob. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the insight as always. And um, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.